Hey, got a quote for you. Mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. By John Cabot Zinn. I love that quote, and I hope you do too. That's our topic for today, mindfulness. I'm Craig Cottle for Manly Musings here on the Survival Show Podcast. Thanks for joining me. So glad you're here. I'm calling this a part two, but really it's a standalone podcast all on its own. You don't necessarily have to listen to this, the part one, to get what I want to get across to you. But without a doubt, if you want to develop a strong mind, there's a lot of different aspects to doing that. And one way is to consider mental fortitude. That's what I did in part one. And in part two, what I'm going to be doing today is discussing mindfulness. If you've read my book, then you'll find this information in chapter, let's see what chapter this is, chapter five. Uh, I'm going to pull out some comments from that book. If you haven't read my book, then please get it. It's one of the few books that has a lot of dedicated information to developing your mindset. People talk about it all the time. Survival instructors talk about how important it is to bulletproof your mind, stuff like that. But very few people actually go about the business of teaching people how to do it. Fortunately for me, I've had a, I've had some interesting people that have become uh, part of the Nature Reliance School family, uh, students that come into class and whatnot. And I've had the good fortune of training uh, two or three people in particular that have helped me with mental stuff. Um, one of them is a mental health counselor. Uh, another one is a child psychologist. And another one is a... Uh, I don't know exactly what his title would be, but he's got a Ph.D. in, in counseling, and his, his Ph.D. is focused on PTSD, particularly for law enforcement, first responders, EMS, fire, what have you. Um, these, these, all of these happen to be guys, and females are incredibly good at this topic too, but uh, all these guys have really helped me develop uh, the content that goes into the first four chapters of the book. Now, this chapter of my book... And this topic, what I went about doing was discussing this topic with, um, I don't, you know, I took a, a really interesting approach. I talked to people that meditate, and we looked at it from a Christian meditation perspective. Uh, more often than not, Christians will refer to what they do as prayer. What I wanted to do was talk to people that spend a lot of time listening instead of talking during a prayer time. I also talked to some other religious persons, and I talked to some people that talk about mindfulness, and they have their own religion, but it doesn't necessarily become part of what um, they describe as mindfulness being. The reason I say all of that is because for most of us, mindfulness, when we hear that word, it ends up being some sort of Eastern religion type topic, and I, I really, quite frankly, I don't understand that. Mindfulness as I stated earlier from John Kabat-Zinn's quote, is just paying attention. And when I say paying attention, paying attention in a very particular way, as he says, and on purpose, on purpose you're paying attention. And that's different than just, hey, um, I got situational awareness. Mindfulness is a little bit different. And we can talk about some of the aspects of it here today and that's my goal was to help you with this. So one of the things that I want to get across is that mindfulness is 
think about this word non-judgmentally that Kabat-Zinn used. Okay, I love that word. That's a fantastic quote, and that's why I have it in my book. But non-judgmentally means that you look at a situation, you pay attention to it, and you do not allow it to negatively affect you. And actually, you don't actually allow it to positively affect you. Since I wrote this book, uh, I've been studying some of the Stoics, some of the Stoic philosophers, and Stoicism has, if I, if I had to write this book again, and I may, I mean, if I sell a billion copies of them, which I may or may not, but, and there's some time for a rewrite, I'll probably include some Stoicism in the mindfulness chapter. Because since I wrote this book, and I, at this point, I wrote this book probably about five years ago, um, Stoicism is a really good, in my opinion, is a really good methodology for developing the ability to non-judgmentally deal with things that are happening around you. What happens in survival is that you get keyed into things and something that often gets referred to as paralysis by analysis happens. You're looking at a situation and you're trying to assess it and you're going through it so much and developing this and that and understanding this and that so much that you just get bogged down and nothing, absolutely nothing happens, okay? Uh, one case in point, I remember I trained some guys down in Memphis at the Memphis Fire Department. These are special response teams for the Memphis Fire Department that had been deployed to Katrina. And they were talking about they were having this issue while they were there Hurricane when Hurricane Katrina happened. They got that one of the issues that they had while they were there is they were running out of fuel for their for their trucks and their boats and doing everything that they were doing. And so they sit there and they, they were following along with protocol and doing everything they're supposed to do. And, and they basically did what I recommended in the last podcast, which is adapt, improvise, overcome. And they, they went over to communicate with uh, some of the law enforcement officers that were there and end up stealing gas from them. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds kind of cruel, but, but they had a job to do. And they were non-judgmentally looking at the situation going, we need gas. They have gas. They don't need that much gas. We're taking some of it. And because of that, they were able to effectively go out and save more lives and bring people to safety. So mindfulness can be practically looked at it that way. And there's also a time in my perspective, from my perspective, to practice mindfulness in your daily life. Take some time to sit, literally just sit, relax. If, you, if you're most comfortable sitting in a lazy boy, then do that. If you can, find yourself leaned up against a tree somewhere. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of research that goes into the increased ability to develop a strong mind by being in nature. So find yourself in nature when you can. You don't have to get in some lotus position. You don't have to get into some particular legs folded sort of position, although that has benefit inside of certain disciplines. And I, I love it for that. And I've been there. I've done that. I'm continuing to do that for some of the disciplines that I practice. However, for what I'm describing, you don't have to do any of that. Just find yourself somewhere, sit and listen and look and see what comes about. And don't make judgment on it. Don't look at the bird that comes by and try to determine what species it is. Just accept that it is a bird. 
don't look at the tree that's directly in front of you and go, that's a beech tree and that branch is dead. Don't do that. Just look at the tree and allow it to just be a tree and do its thing, and you just do your thing. That's mindfulness. This relaxed state of your mind, when you practice this on a regular basis, when it comes time to deal with stressful situations, then you can be more mindful to your approach on how you handle it. Meaning, you know what's going on around you and you don't miss these cues. This this is very applicable to situational awareness even for uh, for security at a church, for example. Uh, we I, And I say a church just simply because I, I recently taught a situational awareness for active aggressor at a church. But but uh, you can do this for your workplace. You can do this for your home. You can do this where you shop. You can do this when you go to the next Foo Fighters concert. Whatever it is that you do, then you can be more mindful of what's going on around you, pay attention to your surroundings, and develop a, a bubble of safety around yourself as best you can and be okay with it. Now, a big part of developing mindfulness, there comes a term that I refer to as attachment, meaning when you attach yourself to a certain thought, then you can get bogged down with that particular thought. You know, we interviewed for the Survival Show podcast a long time ago this idea. I mean, we interviewed this this fellow named Trevor Wilkins, and I also interviewed Adam Smith. Both of these guys had valuable, incredibly valuable input as it relates to uh, PTSD. Trevor is a counselor, and he discusses uh, this sort of thing when it relates to law enforcement first responders. Adam was a special forces soldier. He discusses this as it relates to warfare. And one of the things that came out of that, that they said it entirely different, and I'm using this word attachment, is that if you allow yourself to become attached to a label, then sometimes that label can keep you in a certain category that you don't need to be in. You know, from PTSD standpoint, if you allow yourself to be damaged goods and allow other people to continually label you as damaged goods, it's no different than a kid that gets constantly beat down as a child and told that he's ugly or that she's ugly or uh, she's stupid or he's stupid, whatever. You continually tell a kid, hey, you're stupid. That was stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. Then the kid eventually will develop this idea that they are stupid, and that is a label that you can choose to accept or not to accept. And so you don't allow yourself to get attached to any particular label. Now, how do we apply this? Sounds like a bunch of foo-foo, Craig. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. How do we apply this to survival? Well, this is how we apply this to survival. When you get in a situation that's ugly and it's bad and it's terrible, you don't allow it to be ugly and bad and terrible. It is what it is. Say that with me, boys and girls. It is what it is. Don't allow that label to become part of the situation that you find yourself in. If you allow yourself to focus on the negative aspect of what it is that's going on, this is a terrible situation, for example. You, you label the situation you're in as a terrible situation. Then you're in a terrible situation. And you'll negatively be influenced by that. However, if you just allow it to be what it is, much earlier... I talked about birds, and I say that because I'm sitting here recording this podcast, and I'm looking at a beautiful male cardinal getting ready to get a sunflower seed from the bird feeder that I put out for him. 
as I look at that male cardinal, I don't go, okay, that's a male cardinal. He's got this little tuft of, of feather on his uh, chest, and I focus so much attention. I do see that. I recognize that. But there's times when practicing mindfulness, I just allow the bird to be the bird, and it is what it is. That's a label that I put on it. That cardinal has no idea that it's a cardinal. It's just something that's out here. So don't allow yourself to get bogged down with these labels on a daily basis. If your boss is somebody that beats you down all the time, no, that's stupid. Don't allow that to happen. Don't allow that person to bog you down and don't allow them to attach labels to you. Do not accept them. I tell kids all the time, I've taught a lot of school programs over the years, and my wife does, now that my children are grown, she, mm, a little backstory, my wife, we homeschooled our kids, and my wife did 98% of that. And now that they're grown and on their own, uh, we've passed on all the school programs to my wife. She does all that stuff now. I don't do hardly any school programs anymore. But uh, one of the things that I used to share with children all the time in, in leadership development courses and and survival courses and stuff is this idea of donkey poop. Think about this. So let's say that I go out to my dad's farm, and my dad's got some donkeys on his farm, and I pick up a brown paper bag full of fresh, stinky donkey poop, and I bring it to you, and I give it to you. Here, take this. So visualize that. I've got this big brown paper bag. I'm handing you a big brown paper bag of donkey poop. And you take it. So who owns that donkey poop now? Well, that's you. you got the stinky donkey poop all over you now. Okay? Now, imagine for a second, I do the same thing. I go out there and get this big pile of fresh, stinky donkey poop, put it in a brown paper bag. I bring it to you, and I go, here you go. This is yours. And you refuse to accept it. Now who has the donkey poop? Yeah, it's me, right? Yeah, I've got it. Insults can be the same way. You know, people have said for eons, <laughs> for a long time, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's kind of the same mindset. I just like to talk about donkey poop instead, I guess. I don't know. But if somebody's trying to insult you and you choose not to accept it, you do not choose that label, then you're going to be better off. Just choose not to accept it. It's your choice. And if you choose not to accept it, then that other person owns it and it's theirs. So again... This is important, this idea of attachment. Don't attach yourself to any labels, particularly in a survival situation. Don't allow that to happen because if you do, then fear sets in and, and all the things that happen with it, and you do not want that to happen. The next thing I want to discuss as it relates to this is this, this idea of visualization. And I've told this story many times too, and it's worth telling again. And I can't remember what year it was, but somebody that's astute with Olympic history will understand this. But there was a there was a time where the Olympics were in Sydney, Australia. And it was some time ago. I can't remember. Probably a good 10 years ago. And there was a long-distance runner, female. And she was from some other country. I can't even remember their names. I can't remember what countries they were from except from one of these runners. And the world leader in this particular race was Australian. So let's call her uh, lady number one. Lady number one was an Australian. She had been crushing it. She was really good at what she did, and she was winning, uh, winning races. There was another young lady, let's call her lady number two, who was from a different country, 
And for some reason, I want to say she was from Great Britain, but I don't quote me on that one. I can't remember for sure. Nevertheless, visualization helped the lady number two tremendously. Let me describe what she did. So she knew she was really close to winning the race, but she just kept finding herself in the two spot at the end of the race. And the other lady was lady number one was winning. So lady number two went to a visualization coach and said, you need to help me. And so what the visualization coach helped her do was visualize herself running the race. And right before, uh, right before the Olympics happened, they actually went to the location and visualized coming down the stretch, if you will, and the crowd just being ecstatic about the Australian getting ready to win because she typically did win. She was number one. And what the visualization coach helped her to do was realize and at least visualize that every time that somebody was yelling for lady number one, that that gave her, her more strength and power. It actually empowered her and made her stronger. And eventually, the visualization practice, she won the race because it gave her so much power to hear all those people yelling for the other woman that instead of allowing that label of, man, they're all cheering her on, they're not cheering me, they turned that label around to they were cheering, but that cheering itself was power for her. And, as you would expect because I'm telling the story, she actually won. Can't remember again what race it was. But she won the race because, and you could see it when you watched I heard this story, and then I actually found video of it. And I watched, and you can see them coming down the stretch, and the Australian is in front. And this other woman, it looks like she turns on the turbo, son. I'm telling you, it is wild how she just, you know, and you, you, you've seen these races. You know what I'm talking about. You can see. They're done. They're spent. They're burnt out. They've given everything they've got. And you can see it in their face. You can see it in their bodies. They're just tired. And you can see this person's body just just like she kicks on the afterburners, baby. I mean, just boom. And she just blows the Australian out of the water. Just blows by her and wins the race. Visualization is important, you all. So that's why it's important to get out and train, for one. Get out and practice your skills, whether it's disaster readiness. You know, one, one of the ways that I've told people for years that's important, one of the ways that you can best train disaster readiness at home is to turn the electric off to your house, turn the water off to your house, have the goal of going for a week without those two things and see what happens, take notes on what's happening, and find solutions for those problems. For a wilderness-related event, that's why you got to get out and practice with, you know, sleeping on the ground. You know, you don't have a pad. How do you create a pad out there? How do you create insulation on the ground? How do you do that? So these are things that are important for visualization development. So there's three things in particular as it relates to disaster readiness and survival that I would like to look at how visualization can help you. And again, this is just a what I would consider a mindfulness practice. The first is temperature, second is pain management, and the third is fear. One of the things that if, if you get into some research on meditation, you'll eventually come across, you know, some 
some of those who meditate for religious purposes who go out and meditate and melt the snow around them. They'll sit down in the snow or sit down on something near snow, and their bodies heat up so much that it melts the snow. Now this, I think his name is William Hoff. I'm not sure if I have the right first name, but Hoff, who does all this outdoor training in the cold, um, this stuff is incredibly good for going out and developing a visualization that everything's okay. You're going to be just fine. And you must get out and engage in it to find out that you are going to be okay. Temperature management is one of those things that you can visualize. You visualize inside of yourself that you're not in this cold environment. You visualize that you are warmer than you actually feel as if you are. Don't allow the label of, oh, man, I'm cold, to overtake you. Visualize that you are warm no matter where you are or what you're doing. If you start to feel the coldness setting in, then visualize that you are warmer. Visualize that there's an oven inside your body that's heating up. Visualize that you're sitting in a warm climate where everything, the sun is beating down on you and it's warming you up. These are things that you can do to help overcome this idea or this concept of the label of being cold. Second one is pain. Now, there's a difference with sharp shooting pain and dull aching pain. Okay, that's one of the things I recommend in Mental Fortitude, a podcast uh, part one of these these two that are going to be placed up together. I talked about lifting weights. You know, there's there's a time that you can lift weights and it's I think the general term is going to failure where you lift. And I did this this morning before I recorded this podcast. I was doing some some uh, I don't know what the exercise is called, but sitting on a bench and pulling this thing with the weight on it. And I usually start off with 100 pounds, and I pull it 10 times just to get my muscles warmed up. And then I just increase until I can only lift it one time. And then I do it at least uh, one time at a time until I just can't do it. That's going to failure. And there's some research behind that, and that's for another day maybe. But uh, one of the things that comes out of that is learning how to deal with pain you know, I'm doing that in the weight room there. Last night I did it at a grappling class where some guy was on me and I just, I couldn't, I literally could not breathe. I could not breathe. Uh, he was not choking me, but he was in a position where I just could not get any more breath. And he, uh, you know, fortunately for me, I just toughed through it. I just, I went with it. I didn't tap. I just went and eventually got out of the position. And it taught me in that physical confrontation, if you will, with, between good friends, you know, is learning how to overcome the situation that was painful and awkward. Pain management is one of those things that, let's say you twist your ankle, you focus and you get attached to that pain that's on your ankle, then it's going to hurt. One of the things that I do when I've had things that are painful where I've injured myself one of the things that I do is I recognize the pain. I'm okay with it. That's part of it. I recognize that I'm okay with it. And at the same time, I just, in my mind, I visualize that pain that's throbbing and it is exiting. And there's a certain amount of it there. And then I just imagine that slowly but surely, every time it throbs with pain, that's pain that's leaving and it's not going to come back. And slowly but surely, that pain will dwindle and and. You know, I recognize that pain is there to to 
teach me something and let me know, hey, don't do any more of what you were just doing because this sucks and, and your body hurts. The pain is a good thing. It's it's good. It's it's an informer, if you will. It's telling you you need to stop what you're doing. But that's one way to visualize pain management. Next is fear. You know, there's all kinds of uh, any number of things that will cause fear for us, uh, particularly as it relates to disaster readiness. It can be that something would be problematic for somebody that you care about. Uh, you think that they're in danger. It could be that you yourself are scared of something. Um, but one of the things that that comes out of this is being able to visualize overcoming that fear. So I had a situation where many years ago I had a conversation with an instructor who said, if you only had five minutes to live, who would you call and what would you say? And I'm asking you that right now. If you only had five minutes to live, who would you call and what would you say? You got that person in mind? Do you have that thing in mind that you would say to them? So here's my question for you. Why wait? Go ahead and call them. Go ahead and do it. You might have a fear that you may not be able to tell them the thing that you want to tell them. It may be that you need to tell somebody that you love them. It may be that you really need to call somebody and tell them to kiss off. That may be what you need to do because they, they damaged you. They abused you. Call them. Get it out. Don't let it reside in you. This fear or this problem, whatever it might be, you need to get that out. In a survival situation, this is important. This is very important. When we come to a point where we are getting fearful, and for those that subscribe to certain religions, you know, particularly for me, like Christianity, Christianity says that there is no God-given fear, that that is not something that God would give us. But we must recognize that it's there. So if you subscribe to a, a religion, like I do, then oftentimes some of the things that I'm fearful for, I just hand over to God. And I just let go of it. I don't allow it to overcome me. I just have to. And, and this is going to sound weird but for those that know me, but I'm fearful of going through the woods in the dark. And I'm not feared of some critter getting a hold of me, but I am fearful of falling in a hole and breaking my leg or some variation of it or sticking a stick in my eye, mainly because those things have happened to me in the dark. <laughs> but I am fearful of it. But the way that I conquer that, well, one way that I conquer is I did it today, is that I went and lifted this morning at 5 o'clock, got done, still pitch black, and I came to this place where I'm recording these podcasts in the dark, and I walked around the woods for a while. And I learned how to just walk up to my fear, look it in the eye, and say, not today. No, not today. You're not going to own me, son. I'm going to own you. I own my fear. I'm not going to allow my fear to grip me so much that it overcomes me. I'm going to overcome my fear. Step aside, fear. Craig Cottle's here. <laughs> so you come up with your own way. But the thing that I want to emphasize for you is these three things, these temperature, pain management, and fear. These are things that come up a lot in survival situations. And visualization is a way to overcome them. It, obviously, gear is another way to overcome these things too, obviously, right? But I've talked about this puzzle of survival, mindset, skills, tactics, gear, and that this puzzle is 
all of those things and use all of those things. You can use skills like fire building and what have you. You can use gear, buy the right jacket, buy the right vest. You can use those things to overcome, but also visualization, utilizing your mindset is important as well. So this has been Craig Cottle for Manly Musings episode for the Survival Show podcast. Thanks for joining me here. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you hanging out with me here on the front porch as I look out. Again, this is not necessarily a, hey, you have to listen to both parts to get the full story. But both of these two parts go very well together. Mental fortitude was part one. Part two here has been mindfulness. I really hope that it helps you overcome the struggles that you may be dealing with in your daily life. And I definitely, obviously, hope that it is going to be helpful if you ever find yourself in a survival situation. As always with the Survival Show Podcast, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Stay sharp.